The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. What a wonderful, wonderful story. And I, I know if you're following the Hawks at all, faith works. <laughs> Seven in a row, huh? All right. <laughs> What would we say if they would have lost, though? You know, faith still works, but that was a great, great story. Um, you know, and to me, just um, hearing that story about Megan trusting Christ and letting God use her lips, it just fits so well with what we're talking about. We're talking about this, the whole issue of faith and how faith works in the book of James. It's very active. We're going to see it, how it really does make an impact in everything uh, that we say as well. Without a doubt, we're a nation of talkers. Uh, we have uh, Hawk Talk. We, we have talk shows. Uh, there's uh, text messages constantly. It averages now about 67, uh, worldwide, 67 texts per uh, day for the average individual. Uh, emails that go out, discussion groups, etc. We, without a doubt, we're a nation of talkers. But even though we might send 67 texts, and it's, it's higher certainly here, the younger you are, and in the United States, it's a, a lot more than that. Uh, but you will spend an average of 30 conversations every single day. The average American will have will be engaged in 30 conversations. About a fifth of your life will be spent talking in one year. What you say, if everything could be written down that you say in a year, uh, you could fill uh, about 66 books, and each book containing about 800 pages. Uh, so that's, that's an awful lot. If you're an average male in the United States, every day you will speak about 7,000 words. If you're an average female in the United States, you will speak about 20,000 words words. Um, words are instruments that can carry tremendous power. They can encourage, they can discourage, they can build up, they can tear down, they can bring tears to your eyes, they can bring laughter, they can praise or defame, uh, give direction or cause confusion. Um, they're very powerful, and they are extremely important. What we're going to see today, that it, it really takes faith. What happens in your heart will ultimately come out in your lips. And so we're going to see that connection uh, today. And so words are extremely important. They reveal what's going on inside. Uh, some of you perhaps have heard of a guy by the name of Chuck Swindoll. He was a president of Dallas Theological Seminary. He was a pastor, president when I was there uh, for a few of the years. And one of my all-time favorite Chuck Swindoll stories, he told it when, when uh, he was doing one of the chapels. And he was telling the story about this very nice older lady in the state of Texas. She's getting ready to go on a camping trip, and she is extremely concerned about the um, toilet facilities at this camping campground. And so she decided she would write a letter to the campground manager just to make sure things were there. And uh, so she wasn't really sure how she would word it, and uh, so she was really hesitant to use the word toilet and so she decided in the letter what she, instead she would write bathroom commode. And so she wrote the letter, and then even when she saw bathroom commode, she felt really uncomfortable using that. So she changed it and just decided she would abbreviate it and put BC. And so basically the letter says, does the campground have its own BC? So <laughs> the campground manager got this 
letter, and he had no idea what the euphemism meant, so he asked other staff members what they thought the BC was, and they thought, looking at the lady, looking at her demographic, figured, well, for sure, especially the area of Texas she was from, she was wondering if the campground had its own Baptist church. So uh, the guy replied to her, Dear Madam, I regret to delay in answering your letter, but now I take pleasure in informing you that a BC is located nine miles north of the campground. And it's capable of seating 250 people at one time. I admit it is quite a distance away if you're in the habit of going regularly. Uh, but now, no doubt, you'll be pleased to know that a great number of people take their lunch and make a day of it. Uh, <laughs> the last time my wife and I went was six years ago. <laughs> and it was so crowded we had to stand up the whole time we were there. But I'd like to say it pains me very much not to be able to go more regularly, but it surely is no lack of desire on my part. It just takes, to, it seems to take more effort, particularly in cold weather. Uh, well, hope to see you soon, sign uh, the manager. You know, we, we, get a we get a chuckle out of that. I can remember laughing about that. And the truth of the matter is our tongues really do, uh, they, they can get us in an awful lot of trouble. And uh, every single chapter in the book of James talks about managing your mouth. It talks about the, the power of the tongue. And uh, so what we're going to see from the very get-go, from the very introduction of chapter 3, it says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with a much greater strictness. We're all going to stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble on what he says, he's a perfect or mature man able to bridle his whole body. So I'm going to make a real quick comment. I know many of you have been to church. Many of you sort of know uh, some basic terminology about Christianity. I'm going to give you a few S words, okay? Uh, the first S word is what we would call salvation. Salvation is a word that sort of is, is an overcompassing word that draws the picture of a holy and righteous, wonderful God who created us, created us to have fellowship with him, and then we decided to do our own thing, to go our own way rather than following this creator God who created us with this wonderful desire to have a relationship with him. And when we went our own way, that's the other S word, the S word of sin. Okay, so there's salvation, then there's sin. So to fix the problem, God sent another S, a savior. Uh, and that's the whole story of the Bible of how God becomes a, a man in Jesus Christ who pays for our waywardness, for our sin, to reconcile us to God so that we could become just like God always intended us to become. That's salvation. Now, the other S is another word, and this is what James deals with a lot in this book, is this process called sanctification. So once we are made right with God through the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross, sanctification is the process by which we become step by step by step as we follow James in faith become a little bit more and more like Jesus, to live the life like Jesus exemplified. That's, sal that's sanctification. One more S word, the Spirit. So he's given us this incredible power. There's God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit within us to help us in this sanctifying 
process. So that just sort of as a little background, what we're going to be dealing with mostly is the sanctification process of how we get from here to eventually become more and more like Jesus. And he is saying this is this maturing process, this sanctifying, maturing uh, process. So it, it takes a lot of faith to understand uh, what Jesus is doing in our lives, and it takes a lot of faith to be involved in the process of sanctification, and our tongue really reveals where we are in this whole process. So why? James basically uh, asks three questions. First of all, why is it so important what you say? Why is your mouth so important? Okay? And that we're going to see faith take an integral part here. And so he's going to give us three reasons, three reasons that what you say is so important. Now, James was the half-brother of who? Jesus. So Jesus, every time Jesus talked, what did he do? He would give illustrations. So James, half-brother, so what is he going to do? He's going to give illustrations too, right? He's going to do exactly what his brother did. So James wants to give us three reasons why what we say is so important, and he's going he's to give us two illustrations for each one of those points, right? He's going to take right after big brother. Three reasons, two illustrations under each point. So here we go. The first reason it's so important is that your tongue will direct where you go. Two illustrations. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So uh, if you want to know where you're headed in life, all you have to do is really listen to your voice. What are you saying? What are you talking about? It's going to be an indicator of where you're going to be directed in all of life. We shape our words, and our words shape us. And that first picture is the, the picture of the bit in a horse. You can take a horse that weighs almost a ton and put a 95-pound jockey on its back, and it's that little, the pilot then, the jockey, can control the horse based on that little piece of metal in this one-ton horse and it can guide the horse. Same thing for the rudder of a ship. So he uses the word guide or direct. So the bit, the tongue, will guide or direct your life. Same way in a, in a big um, cruise ship. I mean, and these are massive ships. I mean, today, uh, some they can be 30 stories high. The largest one's 30 stories high, 12 football fields long. Just an anchor can weigh as much as a dozen uh, cars, and yet it can be guided by a little rudder. That little rudder can steer that ship through storms, through gales, through winds, through waves, uh, through, through tumultuous oceans in life. It can direct you. It's a steering wheel. Your tongue is the steering wheel of your life. It is so powerful. It's so powerful because it can convince you of what's true or not true. So that's one reason it's so important to you when you speak the truth, speak the truth about yourself as God sees you. In other words, uh, Scott Gaskell with the college group would say, speak the gospel into your life. In other words, don't tell your stuff things that are not true. Tell you the things that are true. If you're a believer in, tr in Christ, 
Speak the truth of the gospel that you are loved by God. Speak the truth of the gospel that you're God's child, that he has a plan for your life, a purpose for your life, that you're forgiven, that you're cleansed, that you have a future, that you have a hope. That's the truth of the gospel. So speak the truth. Don't speak untruths into your life. Uh, Secondly, your tongue will not only direct where you go, your tongue will also destroy what you have. And here, the first illustration, he uses the illustration of fire itself. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by, by Gehenna itself, by hell itself. And you think about it, we've had a lot of pictures lately of, of for, a national forest put on fire by one careless camper. Think of that. And, and into, uh, thousands of, tens of thousands of acres up in smoke. Um, hundreds and hundreds of homes uh, damaged, damaged by a careless uh, a cigarette thrown out of a car or, or a match or a campfire that's not put, put out. And likewise, the tongue is the same thing. The tongue can absolutely scorch and destroy when you think of the power of gossip in people's lives. Whether gossip is truth or untruth, whether it's truth or half-truth, it can absolutely destroy uh, people's lives. It can spread so quickly and cause havoc. Uh, It can be truth, and truth without discretion as well can be extremely harmful. Now, now for me personally, it's usually not, am I struggling with telling truth or a lie? That's not my struggle. I will tell the truth. It's usually not truth or half-truth. It's truth, but, you know, just to be real honest, even, even recently, this, this last week with one of my kids, you know, I was hard of concern, you know, concerned, and I wanted to speak carefully, speak the truth, and so I spoke the truth, but it was very painful. And the word that my child used was inconsiderate, inconsiderate. Well, it was 100% true, and I felt it was coming from a heart that was concerned, but inconsiderate was the word that, and I thought about it. I thought, you know, that's, that's really true because words that are really considerate, you know, comes from our, our, our uh, actually comes from a, a French word from, from Latin that means to look at the stars. It's an astronomical term, which means to ponder. Like when you would consider, uh, they would look at the stars and, and ponder the stars. So in a conversation, you would ponder the impact of words on an individual in a situation? And are you willing to put all of your resources behind what you're going to say? Or are you just barking out instructions and commands? Or are you willing to put every resource at your disposal to back what you're going to say? And that was the convicting point to me. Inconsiderate. Are you pondering all the ramifications? Not just is it true or not true. 
Because if, you, if you're not considerate and ponder, that's exactly what Jesus did when we talked about salvation. It wasn't like the truth is you're going to hell. You're a sinner going to hell. The considerate part was you're a sinner going to hell and I'm actually going to be a human being. I'm going to take on flesh and I'm going to die on the cross in your place. I'm, I'm going to die so that you can have life. Okay, so that was the eureka to me. So we, we need to be so careful with our words. A careless word can destroy a marriage, destroy a career, destroy a reputation, a church, a friendship. Uh, so we need, we need to be careful because the tongue has so much power. It can not only direct where you go, it can destroy what you have. I don't know. I'm sure you've met a verbal arsonist. You know, a verbal arsonist can just, can, well, you've heard the expression, get somebody to get roasted. That's it. You, you can roast somebody just by verbal arsony. You, you can set somebody's life on fire. Yeah, I know you've heard the expression, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is hogwash. That is hogwash. Words can destroy lives. Words, words can set life on fire. Words are extremely painful. Yes, they can. They're just like a fire. Uh, fire and words which are under control can be a wonderful fireplace, can be a wonderful stove, can be used for, for wonderful good. But fire outside of the fireplace can be extremely uh, destructive. It can destroy miles and miles and, of homeland and acres of, of land and national forests and people. Proverbs 18 says, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He's satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Uh, the good news sort of paraphrases it and says, you will have to live with the consequences of everything you say. In other words, what you say will either be fruit or folly. It'll either bring life or death, build up or tear down. I think James gives the best picture here in verse 6 when he says, you will have to live. Um, I'm sorry, the, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by Gehenna, set on fire by hell itself. In other words, James is saying, you need to be so careful of what you're... And now, we're going to get to the root of it in just a second, but I want to just drive this point home. Um, You've got to be so careful because what you say can start a chain reaction that will set the entire course of your life or somebody else, else's life on absolute fire. And it's set on fire by hell itself. You think, how many... How many divorces have taken place because of careless words? I have a good friend who's a divorce attorney, and he said to me, it was a number of years ago, he said, Jeff, you have no idea how many divorces I, I do, legally do, because of email, just because of careless words in an email. 
How many friendships have been destroyed? How many churches have been split? How many reputations have been absolutely ruined because of inflammatory or careless words? And I know sometimes, I know it's inadvertent, I know it's not planned, but you come home, guys, I know sometimes you might come home super tired, you've had a hard day, you come home aggravated or angry and you yell at your wife and your wife then yells at your oldest son, your oldest son yells at your oldest daughter, oldest daughter kicks the dog, the dog uh, bites the cat, the cat scratches little younger brother, little younger brother bites the head off of Bob the Builder. I mean, you know, it's just it's, the whole course of life is set on fire. But it's just so much easier. guy. Man, if, if you're upset, just go home and bite the head off of Bob the Builder yourself. You know, spare everybody else in between, you know. Uh, that's the entire course of life. Now, I know you've heard the expression, you know, he said this and then she said that and then he said this and then uh, he said that and then all hell broke loose. You've heard that, right? That's what James is saying. The entire course of life can be set on fire by hell itself, he's saying. And he uses that word Gehenna. Just a little context. When James was talking to people, everybody knew what he was talking about. Gehenna was from the Valley of Hanan. It's from 2 Kings 23. This is when, the, when uh, good King Josiah, there weren't a whole lot of good kings. There were a lot of bad kings, some good kings. Good King Josiah came along, and there were all kinds of idol worships. There was the Asherahs. They said he ground them into dust. Then there was uh, Moloch. People were sacrificing their own children to this false god, and where that was taking place in the, in, from the son of Hanan uh, in the southwest side of Jerusalem, good King Josiah, uh, he, he, he made that into a place of desolation, and it became the garbage dump of Jerusalem, desolation. So th they would dump their garbage in the valley of Hanan or Gehenna, and there was this constant smoldering fire and you know, it stunk and there was garbage. And that's what James is picturing. James is saying, the way you talk, the way you talk to people, the way you talk about people, it, it, can, it can set the entire course of somebody's life on fire. And it, and it comes from Gehenna itself. Elsewhere in the Bible, the Bible even refers to Satan as Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies. Lord of the flies over Gehenna the garbage dump of Jerusalem. And that's what James is talking about. James is saying, do you understand the power, the impact of your, of your words? And it's not just, is it true or not true? It's not just, is it true or half true? It's truth with discretion. It's truth with consideration. It's truth with, are you willing to put every resource you have behind it? That was a challenge to me. And it was so impactful. I mean, it, it, let me tell you, it made a difference in our family. It, it was so good that my child used that word inconsiderate. I was so thankful for that. And hopefully it will help me in the path of sanctification. Because I'm not, as James would say, teleos yet. I'm not perfect. I got a lot of growing to do. So he then gives us another picture. 
He gives us a picture of the fire. He gives us another picture of a zoo or a circus. He says, look, you know, we, we can tame every kind of beast or animal. And you think about it. We've got them tamed. We've got Lassie tamed, Black Beauty tamed, Nemo, Benji, Shamu, Clyde the Orangutan. You know, you, we've got them all tamed. But you can't tame the tongue. And we're going to see why in just a second. Can't tame, tame it. It's, fifthly, it's a poison. That's the other example that he uses. It's, it's restless, evil, full of deadly poison. Yas is the word. It's the word for snake venom. You know what I was thinking? When words are carelessly used, what they're like, uh, it's like, I don't know if you've ever gone outside on a real windy day. We were, we had been on a camping trip and we were shaking a pillow and I was shaking this pillow and the, you know how they come zipped and unzipped and stuff? And all of a sudden, feathers are everywhere. That, that's what words are. Words are like going outside on a windy day and just slicing a pillow open, opening it and shaking it. The feathers are everywhere. There's no getting them back. Once they are out, they are out. I mean, by the grace of God, we go in all, like I had to do this last, and, go, and I have to do it a lot, in all humility, you know, you ask for forgiveness, and, you know, people are, are, are thankfully very, very gracious. But notice what James says. The tongue, he doesn't say the tongue is like a fire. He doesn't say the tongue is like poison. He says the tongue is a fire. The tongue is poison. It's like verbal cyanide, like a flaming missile. Washington Irving, great novelist, said a sharp tongue is the only edge tool that grows keener with constant use. So why is the tongue so critical? Well, we looked at one thing. It, it's going to, like the bit, it's going to direct where you go. Secondly, it's going to destroy what you have, just like the fire. Thirdly, it will display. Now we're getting to the heart of the whole thing. The tongue, the good part is, it will display who I am. It will display what's going on inside. With it, we bless our Lord and God. With it, we curse people who are made in the very likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So what we're finding is that to, the other great thing about the tongue is it really reveals what's going on in the inside. And what we're going to find is that in the Bible, throughout the entire New Testament, there are two things that Jesus, the apostles, the disciples constantly share, reveal the insides. One we're talking about right here. The tongue reveals what's going on in here. The other thing is the way you use your money, the way you sacrifice, and what you sacrifice for. That really, more than anything else, will reveal what's going on in the heart. You know, I don't have a lot of regrets over the last years. There is one regret, <laughs> sort of, I mean, not a bad regret, just sort of one of these things I wish we hadn't have done. You know, we've gotten to the place where, I mean, we have special offerings for everything in the world. We have designated funds for this. We have designated funds for that. And we have trained people, instead of just giving to God out of the free will of their heart, like biblically, you lay it at the apostles' feet and let them distribute as according there, there is need. 
now we've trained everybody to, well, evaluate. Well, this is what I want. I don't want to give to that. I want to give to this. I want to, you know. Anyway, so it's sort of, I, I wish we'd have never done that. I wish it was just, hey, you give to the Lord. You give generously. You give sacrificially. You trust the leaders to distribute it as there is need. And uh, God will take care. Now we're, it's like, <laughs> like you know, we've got the child and it's all, I'm good for the shoes, you know. The kid's starving to death, but I'll be good for the shoes. You know, I, I want to get the bike for the kid, but, <laughs> but the kid's, the kid isn't eating, you know. So anyway, the way we handle our money is a clear indicator of what's going on in our heart. The other clear indicator of what's going on in our heart is what James goes through in every, he hits money too, believe me, he hits it too, we'll get there. But he hits the, the tongue is a big one, the tongue. So what is the tongue? Why would he use this, this muscular hydrostat? Why would he do that? Why would he pick that? I'll tell you why. In every skeletal muscle, you have typical striated skeletal muscles. You've got an origin, you've got an insertion, you have innervation. The muscular hydrostat is a little different. You think, oh, it's got an origin. Where's the insertion? What's the innervation? So this is what I think James is getting at. The origin of the tongue is the heart. The insertion point of the tongue would be the ears of God, the ears of your wife, the soul of your kids, the ears and souls of your neighbors, of your professors, or if you're a professor, of your students, if you're a boss of your employees, if you're an employee of your employer, that's the insertion point and the innervation. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it's either going to be the flesh or the spirit. Those are the two options. Either the flesh is going to innervate or the spirit's going to innervate. And it's going to make all the difference between either blessing or cursing, hurting or healing, encouraging or discouraging, praising or defaming, leading or misguiding. Now, how in the world can we explain this little muscular hydrostat from causing such two opposite and irreconcilable purposes. Well, you consider the source. So James gives us two illustrations. The fountain and the fig tree. A fresh spring doesn't produce salt water. It's easy. Picture speaks a thousand words. Or a fig tree will produce fruit after its own kind. It's not going to produce an olive. So whatever's in the well will come out in the water. Whatever's in the tree will come out in its fruit. Our tongue will reveal the state of our heart. 
we're walking by the flesh or we're walking by the spirit, our tongue will reveal the state. It's the most accurate indicator of my maturity in Christ. So, not many of you strive to be teachers. You will be judged with a stricter judgment. The way you handle your mouth, the way you handle your money, the use or abuse or misuse of those two are the two most accurate indicators of what really is going on deep down inside here. So this is what James is saying. Show me somebody with a harsh tongue and I'm going to show you somebody with a really angry spirit. Show me somebody with a negative tongue. I'm going to show you somebody with a fearful heart. Show me somebody with an overactive tongue that can never shut up and listen. I'm going to show you somebody with a very unsettled heart. If you show somebody with a defensive or boasting tongue, either way, it's the opposite of the same thing, just opposite ends of the same thing, I'll show you somebody with a very insecure heart. You show me somebody with a filthy tongue, I'll show you somebody with an impure heart. Show, if I show you somebody with an inconsiderate, this was me, an inconsiderate heart, and I'll show you somebody with a self-absorbed heart. But on the other hand, boy, show me somebody with a really encouraging heart, and I'm going to show you somebody with a very happy and selfless heart. Show me a gentle tongue, I'll show you a loving heart. Show me a truthful tongue, I'll show you a truthful heart, an honest heart. Show me a merciful tongue, and I'll show you and introduce you to somebody who has a forgiven and clean heart. So what is the solution? Remember we started out and I said there were a bunch of S words. Sanctification, that probably deals with most of us. The other S word was salvation. I'm just pleading with you. It's never going to change until you get a heart transplant, a brand new heart. If you don't know Jesus Christ personally, if you have not experienced salvation, that's where I would begin. Get a new heart. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourself a new heart and a new spirit, Ezekiel says, pointing to the Savior who is coming. So Paul puts it this way, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, everything has become new. So let me just stop there. If you've never personally come to that point where you've said yes to Jesus, you understand the S word sin, you know, God's here has got a wonderful plan. We've done our own thing on our own way. That's what sin is, separation. Jesus is the answer, and he wants to not only forgive you of your sins, cleanse you of your sins because he went to the cross in your place, he wants to plant within you a brand new heart. That's, if you've never taken that step, I'm urging you, take that step today. There are lots of people here who would love to help you there. 
I'm here. We have some other elders and staff in this room. You can search them out. Maybe some will come up after or out in the, out in the lobby. At the connect, go to the Connect booth. Say, hey, can you help? I, I want to know more about trusting Christ. Can you help? Can you find somebody who can help me? They'll be happy to, to do that for you. Uh, don't leave without getting that settled. Then the other thing is ask God for help every day. That's the sanctification part. That's if you are a believer and you're in this growth process, and this, I gave you an example of me this last week, okay? I'm there. God wants to step by step transform our lives by what James is talking about, faith to transform our lives. That's what we all need. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Richard Baxter, an old Puritan, used to say this. The proof that you're filled with the Spirit is not that you can speak in an unknown tongue. It's whether or not you can control the tongue you know. It's very true, very right. So think before you speak. Engage, engage. This is what I needed to do. Engage my heart and engage my, my mind before we put our mouths in gear. It's not just telling the truth. It's being considerate, to ponder, contemplate everything. Because what you say can greatly impact somebody's life. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person, this is why James says this, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, because you have to have time to ponder, to contemplate, if you're going to be considerate and slow to get angry. So if you're a believer, you might need Today, you might need to go and ask somebody's forgiveness. You might be sitting next to the person you need to ask for forgiveness. I've had to do it. This week, I had to do it. Um, you know, you, you, you might need to start walking in the Spirit. And by that, it comes out. Now you can recognize it. Oh, gee, this was set on course by hell itself. Call it what it is. <laughs> Jesus, I confess that. You died for that. It's not consistent with who I am in you. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for that which came out of me. Thank you for cleansing me. Would you fill me with your power, the power of the Holy Spirit, to speak in a way that blesses and heals and encourages? Well, let's all stand up. Let me pray. And then we're going to close with a wonderful song that talks about Jesus his debt is paid by Jesus, and uh, his love will never fail us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this incredible text, your love for us. Thank you that you're the one that can make a difference in our lives. And Lord, when you do and we're yielding to your spirit, I just pray that that would be reflected with our tongue. And Lord, if it sets something, something on fire or, or ignites somebody's life, oh Lord, I pray that we would rush to seek forgiveness, rush to put it out and uh, to be an instrument of grace and healing. So thank you. Thank you that your love uh, is without end. It will never cease. You went to that cross. You paid for our sin. You died in our place so that we could have a brand new heart. And with this new heart, you're wanting it to work properly 
and bring blessing and encouragement and life to all around us. So thank you for that. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Parkview's mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. If you live in the Iowa City area, we invite you to join us in person for services every weekend. You can get service times and directions, download messages, and get news and information about Parkview Church by visiting www.parkviewchurch.org. You can also contact us by phone at 319-354-5580 or write to us at Parkview Church, 15 Foster Road, Iowa City, Iowa, 52245.